0: So our Christmas text from today is from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. and I invite you to listen to God's word to us all today. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Now in the same region there were shepherds living in the fields, watching over their flock by night. When they saw him, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that no matter who we are, how we walk in here today, what doubts, what hopes, what beliefs, what dreams, whatever we bring in with us, Lord, I pray that every single one of us would encounter your gospel, your good news, and would change us forever. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take a second to talk to those of us who have Tendencies to plan and plan ahead. In most families, there is a driving force of the planning, of the organizing, of the to do lists, of the calendar. If you're wondering if that's you and the rest of your family is looking at you right now, it is you. We are a people who love to plan. Who love to organize and I'm not here like you may be planning right now going I didn't plan to get bullied in church by by the pastor when we were here no shame in this planning is something that we all do in fact every one of us if we think and you could do like I was actually thinking about this you could do a whole sermon series on this what you plan for probably reveals what's really important to you and what you value it's actually really interesting thing everybody plans some of you might be planning the holiday meal. Some of you might be planning how you're getting to the UT game next weekend. Some of you might be planning where you're watching the UT game next weekend. Some of you might be planning for how ACL is gonna work already and what bands and who you wanna see. But every one of us plans certain things and we plan the things that, re- that we value. And it might be interesting to think about what you spend your time planning on. or Are you happy with what that might say is important to us? We plan, I'm a planner, we plan in this service. Every detail of this we have been talking through for weeks, uh, except for the crowd situation, which we missed on a little bit for this service. But every detail of this we've been planning on, right? We, you know, we're gonna be lighting the candles. We didn't show up going, does somebody like bring a candle or a lighter? Like we we had talked through that. We're not sitting there after the service, like looking at Michael Schumann going, what song do you wanna sing? Like, do you have anything? Like we planned this out of how it works because we value this, because we think it's important. And in a culture where planning has maybe been easier, we can plan based on the weather, days out of what services we might go to based on when the rain is supposed to stop. Our ability to plan is like no generation in human history. What do you plan for? And what does it mean in the midst of a world of planning to notice that in the Christmas story, nothing goes the way anyone would plan? It to go I mean I assume Joseph and Mary planned for certain things they were human beings like us and I bet they had plans for their family I had they had plans for their marriage I bet they had plans for their life and I bet none of those plans involved Mary getting pregnant before the wedding day I bet Mary at no level, is like you know what I really hope I really hope an angel shows up and the angel tells me that I'm gonna be pregnant before the wedding day and that the baby is gonna be the Messiah of the world I bet that wasn't in the plans of how she thought it would go. I bet it wasn't in Joseph's plans for his fiance to have one of the first serious conversations they were really going to probably ever have and go, listen, before I begin, I just want you to know it's not what you think. (laughs) I'm sure Joseph wasn't going, this is my hope for how our family life is going to begin. In fact, we know that's the case because in the Gospel of Matthew it says that when he finds out Mary's pregnant with the miracle baby, he calls off their wedding, he calls off their engagement, until Gabriel shows back up and says to him, This is something that God is doing. And he remains with her. But even as they say together, I'm certain it wasn't in any of their birth plans to then, in the third trimester here that there's a foreign emperor who's called for a tax census because he needs more arm, uh, money for his army, and that therefore, in the third trimester, Mary has to travel 80 miles on a donkey's back from Nazareth, leaving her family and everyone she would have known to go into Bethlehem, where she didn't know anybody. I bet that wasn't her dream for her first child coming into the world. I bet it was neither Mary or Joseph's dream to get there and to realize there was no room. And I know we have sanitized the manger scene to no end in our culture. But if you were a germaphobe, if you were somebody that travels with hand sanitizer, you like, let's just wash before hand, this scene would freak you out. Because they're giving birth surrounded by animals in a stable. Let's not sanitize that to realize that probably neither of them was going, this is what we hope for right here. This is how we planned it to go. I'm certain that Mary thought that her mom or the other women of her village were going to be there in the dangerous, scary, painful process of labor and giving birth, not her fiance. I'm certain that Joseph had no idea what he was doing, did not plan on being the one to deliver this child into the world, and this and the miracle happens and the baby comes and Mary survives and the baby survives, I'm certain it was on nobody's list of wishes and hopes. I was sure it's on neither of their birth plans that shepherds would then show up with more sheep. Because what that scene needs right then is more animals. Like what they're going is like, we need more animals and this, so if it really is gonna live up to what we hope. And then to have the shepherd start singing as you're trying to get little Jesus onto a napping schedule and figuring out how to feed him. There's nothing about this that goes the way anybody would have planned it. And yet God breaks in at Christmas, despite all of the plans, despite all of the dreams, despite all of the to-do lists, despite all of the planning and does something new. I bet when you think about it in your life, and let's take the the Christmas story out of it, some of the most important things to happen in your life are not the things you planned on. They're things that just kind of happen unexpectedly, forces that come in from the outside. As many of you know, uh, my, my wife and I have, have a story like this. My wife Beth is from Wales in Great Britain, and, um, and, and I'm from the States. From I grew up in Atlanta, and we just had a big mo- momentous week this week. A few days ago we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, which is kind of this amazing thing, right? And amazing for her that she's, we're still together, that, that we've made it, and, and I'm grateful for that. But what I love is when people first hear our story, and they're like, oh, she's from Wales, and you're from America, did, did you guys meet over there? here?" And like, no, we met in Japan. And folks, if you're new here, we really did. We met in a fish. we were in a teaching program on Japan, and we were living in little fishing villages on the Sea of Japan, she was the only Westerner in her village, and I was the only Westerner in my village. We were teaching in local junior high schools, and we were 23 years old, and that's when we met for the first time. But I can tell you that wasn't the plan for either of us. When I got on a plan to go to Tokyo for orientation, no one looked at me and was like, I bet you're going to meet a Welsh woman while you're over there. It wasn't what I was thinking at all. She thought she was going back to do an MBA in the UK, and then we met, and like, like something changes in that, and I think she's okay with that still. It was not the plan to be pastors. It was not the plan to live in Texas, and yet the best things that happen are not the things we often plan but it's when something unexpected breaks in. That's at the heart of Christmas, is that the best laid plans pale in comparison to when God breaks into our lives and into this world and does something new. And today I wanna ask for those of us who live in a world where planning is so much of a part of where we are, are you and I able this Christmas to recognize that tradition That the the heart of Christmas is God's inbreaking into the world and upsetting the plans that we might have so that the best things that God can imagine for us are possible. What I think it all comes down to, that I'd like you to think about in your life today and this week and in the year ahead is this. I think it comes down to one word. And that word is the word, yes, yes. That there is a yes that takes place at Christmas and a yes that you're invited to make at Christmas that makes such a difference to us living into the God breaking in and doing something new. It comes down to one word, yes. Now, to be fair, and I don't wanna plagiarize, which is a big thing in our culture right now of who's plagiarizing what. I don't wanna be confused with plagiarizing. Uh, this is a, a paradigm about thinking of discipleship uh, as a yes that comes to us, that came to me starting in August. Uh, In August we had a speaker who came and met with our staff. Our our staff every August before the program year begins we try to do something to uh, get us ready for the year ahead. And so we uh, either go do something fun like a a half day retreat or we uh, bring in an outside speaker. And this year we brought in a friend of this church, a a friend of mine named Brian Wallace who is a um, a leader in the Anglican church. He's here in Austin. And we were talking with our staff about what does it mean to have a healthy spiritual life when you work at a church. How do you grow as a disciple when you work at a church, which can be hard, right? When you start intermarrying your faith and your work, it can become hard to, to have a vibrant spirituality. So how does our staff think about that and invest in themselves that way? And Brian invited us to think about the fact that discipleship and spiritual growth really comes down to this idea of a yes. And I've been thinking about that a lot of us saying yes to God. And he was inviting us to say, what is the yes that God wants you to make in your life? Think about Christmas that way. Christmas at some level, if you want to boil it down, is like God saying yes to the world. God not staying off in heaven, there's no other religion, there's no other spirituality that makes this claim, that God comes into the world, chooses to come into the world, not with power throwing lightning bolts and showing off of how great God is, but coming in as a baby, coming in in love, coming in in grace, that God is saying to the world at Christmas, yes, I love you. Yes, I want to be a part of you. Yes, I want to be involved in the mess that everyday life is and the joy that everyday life is. God is saying yes to us at Christmas. And wherever you are today, in all of the hard stuff that might be going on, and all of the confusing stuff that might be going on, and all of the wondrous stuff that might be going on, at the heart of the miracle of Christmas, I want you to know today that God is saying yes to you. God is saying yes to who you are, to your life, to being a part of every fabric and every detail of your life. And the good news of that should really give our souls a sense of their worth. God is saying yes to us today. But what also God's inviting us to do is to say, for us to say yes, that we want to join God in this new thing God's doing. Think of it like this. Mary... God says yes to her when Gabriel comes to her and says, you're gonna be the one who's a part of this plan. Mary's being included. Even though it's a scary, different plan than what she had come up with herself, God is saying yes to you. But Mary needs to say yes back to God. You see that? Yes, I'll be a part of this new thing that's happening, as scary and as uncertain as it is. I'm willing to let go of my plans to be a part of yours. You see that yes relationship? Or how about for Joseph when he calls off the engagement and then God shows up to Joseph and says, no, 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 you're part of this plan. I'm saying yes to you being a part of this plan. You're a part of how the Messiah is gonna grow up and develop as, a, as an individual in this world. I want you to say yes. And again, we see the miracle of faith is that Joseph, like Mary, says yes. It wasn't what I thought, wasn't what I planned, wasn't what I dreamed of, it wasn't what I strategized about, but there's this yes that is given by God and this yes that Mary and Joseph give back. That's Christmas. And it doesn't just happen in history. God is still what we believe, breaking into our worlds in love. To every one of us today, God is saying yes to you. That God is gonna be a part of your life. And the question we've gotta ask is, are we willing to say yes back to God? Are we willing to step into the unexpected thing that God might do in our life when God starts stirring the water to say, yes, I'm willing to let go of my control and my plans, and my ideas of what my life should be about because I wanna say yes to the thing you're doing. Studies show us that when we're young, we regret the things we try that don't work. We tried something that didn't work, we fail. we fail embarrassed about it, we regret it. Studies show us as we get older, our regrets change. As we get older, we don't regret the thing, listen to this, we don't regret the things we try that didn't work. What we regret are the stirrings we had in our life that we were too scared to try. We regret the things we didn't try, that we didn't do. Those are the regrets that haunt us. This coming year, the best things that are gonna happen in your life are likely things you have no idea about today. Because God breaks in Can you say yes to God's yes to you? As I think back on this year, I've seen you at Covenant do this. I've seen families who have made decisions to, to uh, ch- make changes in different ways to say yes. I've seen parents who have realized that they need to say yes in different ways to their kids and, 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 and focus more on them. I've seen uh, college students here who said yes to an unexpected class that led them to a major in a completely different direction. I've seen high school students here who thought they were going in one direction after they graduated and then God stirred the waters and they're going in a completely different direction and are thr- as a result of it God breaking into our carefully crafted worlds and saying yes and stirring the waters and people having the faith to say yes back rather than going nope I'm in control this is how it's gonna be one of the most touching stories to me that I got to witness this year as a pastor at this church took place by an individual who I got to know, a, a guy who's a few years older than me. Um, and, and he would, came up to me one day, and he was sharing about how something really unexpected had happened to him in worship. And he kind of wanted to process it a little bit. And he said, you know, it was a funny Sunday. Uh, and this is a weird thing to say to a pastor, but he goes, it, it, it was a funny Sunday because I didn't really want to go to church. I was like, okay. <laughs> no offense taken if you're wondering. And I tried to make a joke about it. And I was like, oh, was I not preaching? He goes, no, no, you were preaching. I just didn't really want to, I didn't really want to go. And so I, uh, but my wife looked at me and was like, no, I think you should go. And he's like, I don't really feel like going today. He's like, no, I think you should go. And he goes, and then I went there and this amazing thing happened. And he looked at my face cause I was about to make another joke. He's like, it was not the sermon that, uh, that this amazing thing happened. It happened during a song that we were singing. And all of a sudden, as I was singing this song, he said, the most bizarre thing is that this name and this face just sort of came into my head, sort of lodged itself there. And it turned out that the name and the face that lodged itself there was a fraternity brother of this guy's from college who he had not spoken to in 30 years. Because he had graduated before the age of social media, and he's a guy. So he had just not really communicated very well through the years. And they had just completely lost touch. But he said it was weird that this face and this name very clearly like came into his head while he was singing. And so he said they were driving home, and he mentioned it to his wife. And she was like, well, why do you think that is? And he said, I have no idea. And she goes, do you think you're supposed to do something? Thing with that? Do you think you need to like reach out to him? He's like, no. And say what? I was thinking about you at church and like, I, like well, I don't, I don't know where he is. I don't know anything about him. And so he said, he tried to put it out of his head, but that night he started, had a dream and this guy and the name came back into his head. And so he said, I woke up the next day and I was just like, I Googled him and saw that he's a law partner at a firm in Charlotte. And I kind of like sat at my computer for a while It's was like, I'm just gonna like write this guy an email. He said, it took me almost half a day to write this email because I didn't want to sound creepy. And I was like, hey, you just sort of popped up and uh, saw that you're a lawyer here and how are you doing? And you know, I'm doing great, I'm in Austin and all right. And so he sent the email off. He said he didn't even know if he'd remember me. And he goes, and then that afternoon I got a reply said, it's so good to hear from you. I'm assuming you heard about Cynthia. He said, I didn't know who Cynthia was. I wrote him back and said, no, I don't know. Turned out Cynthia was his wife of 26 years who a year earlier had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And two months before the guy in our church wrote, she had lost her battle with breast cancer and passed away. And he said, I really appreciate you writing because... I'm at that point where she's gone and the cards and the emails and the phone calls and the meal trains, all of which meant so much, have kind of slowed down and stopped. And it's easy to feel pretty alone and forgotten. And the part I so loved was the guy in our church said, and this was the part he kind of wanted to talk about. He said, I wrote him back and I've never written anything like this in my life, and said, I want you to know, I don't think you're forgotten because it was in church that it came into my head, out of the blue, to reach out to you. And I don't think you're forgotten by people, and more importantly, I don't want you to think you're forgotten by God. And he said that the two of them have now arranged that in a couple of weeks they're going with a bunch of their other fraternity brothers on a ski trip that they haven't seen each other in, again, almost 30 years, to just have a reunion and to be together. What's lost in that is where it all started. It started because in a moment, God stirred the waters in something unexpected in someone's life. That we all sit there and go, well, God's got bigger things to worry about in the world when I look at the suffering in the world, and God's going, no, I'm saying yes to this guy who lost his wife, and I'm saying yes to you as being someone who can reach out to him. And the miracle that we see at Christmas is when we don't drown that voice out But maybe when we go through the awkward process of writing an email and saying, hey, you're just on my mind. And something beautiful is emerging in their life that was not on the radar screen a year ago at Christmas. Christmas is full of traditions. Your family might have them, you might have them, the things you plan on, the things you work for, the things you prepare for and get ready for, and those traditions are good. But according to the scripture, maybe the greatest tradition are the things that happen when God breaks into the world and does something you don't plan for or expect. And maybe the most important thing you can do is to prepare yourself to say yes. Or you just might miss the reason you're here. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray and give you thanks that at Christmas you say yes out of love to us. May we have the faith and courage that we see in this text to be able to lean in and say yes to your call upon us. We pray for your leading and your guiding. In Jesus' name, amen.